Welcome to Pet Chats. Today, I'm Greg Richard here, joined by Cheryl Shaw and Fiona. Thanks for coming in. Pleasure. Thanks for having us. Yes, it's nice to be here. We're looking at dog food today, did you say? Dog food, yep. How to buy, store and feed your dog. Right. Just yeah. all those three? All those three. And we're looking at dog food today. I thought we'd look at dog food, yeah. But before we do, we just mentioned it off air then. Mm-hmm. Didn't notice your, your brooch today or yep. badge? Oh, I've, a got, a, I've got a small one on today, just uh, <laughs> the dog bowl with a little bit of food in it, indicating, yes, we're talking about dog food. Right. So what are we looking at with dog food? Well, obviously people feed a whole range of different foods to dogs. Some people yep. feed, feed a raw food diet, some people feed a kibble diet, and some people feed cans. So we're going to look at a, a couple of things. If we are buying our dog food, what we, when we go to buy our dog food, we need to make sure, particularly if we're buying a kibble dog food, that we look at the expiry date that's on that dog food because some manufacturers sell in bulk to some stores and they'll buy pallet loads of dog food. Now that can sit there for a long time. So check the expiry date when you're purchasing the dog food. Particularly if it's a big bag. Yeah and this is it. You might buy a large bag because it's on sale and you're going to have that sitting there for a long time. Now the trouble is, if uh, another problem is that if the dog food is stored in, say, a window or if the shop is selling it on pallets from outside, that is a really bad thing. So avoid any um, dog food that is being stored in direct heat or any um, any sort of close to windows and door areas because that's going to be changing the temperature of the contents of that bag. Now, if it's heat, it's going to make that bag sweat and mm. the same thing for cold and that can affect the um, contents of the bag of kibble in particular. What Mm. will happen, um, particularly with puppy food, puppy food contains really high fat um, product. So that fat, if it starts to get hot, will sweat and that sweat will make the the kibble go rancid. So that fat sweating, it's just like, um, gets really greasy. And Mm. then what happens, we get mould growing on the kibble. So we need to make sure that... That's bad. That is really bad. So... Obviously, with mould, there's toxins, and those toxins can create really big health issues. Yeah. So, Fiona, with that, that can be sort of one of those things that can be just um, like a a small illness, like somebody, you know, vomiting and diarrhoea, but it can also go into other more critical conditions. Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, seizures, neurological issues, gastrointestinal issues can be fatal. Like, if you're unlucky wrong bag of dog food at the wrong time. So, yeah, as you say, just be super careful um, without being overcautious. Just be sensible about it. Yep. And so when you do feed your dog, make sure you're just not grabbing the cup and placing your cup of dog food into your bowl. You need to always check it because, you know, you may have not realised that there may be some mould there or some, you know, something just not right. If you notice that, don't feed it to your dog. Take your bag back to where you purchased it from and get your money back because it's just not worth the risk of giving your dog um, a a problem because you've noticed it. Mm. So, you know, awareness is pretty important. The other thing is too with some dogs, some dogs are um, are not so fussy so they will still eat things and you won't even know that that's where the problem has come from. So just making sure that you're checking the kibble. Another thing with canned dog food, if you um, are feeding canned dog food, make sure that you cover the top. If you're not using the whole content, cover 
cover it over with some glad wrap or one of the tin um, plastic covers and keep it in the refrigerator because Definitely. you just need to make sure that you're keeping it at the right temperature so we don't again get things growing in there that could cause an upset. Storing food at home is really important how you store it as well. Just buying something from the, the shop and then bringing it home. When it's coming in your car, make sure that you don't go shopping. Go straight from wherever you've purchased it and take that bag home because in your car that bag is going to really get hot. Take it in and keep it um, in, in sort of a cooler place rather than somewhere where it's getting any um, direct heat onto it. The other thing is when you're using the dog food, a lot of the bags these days have a like a, a slide, a zipper mm. on top. Yeah. When you slide that, after the contents start to decrease in the bag, there's still a lot of air that's in the bag. Mm. So it's a great idea to roll that down and use either a bulldog clip or some sort of plastic um, holder that you can reduce the amount of air that's in the bag. Because good air idea. has a really big impact on the kibble as well. Because the more air that's exposed to the kibble, the kibble starts to get um, an effect from it. It starts to swell because it takes in the moisture from the air and then you get a kibble that is not quite as good as it should be. So just making sure that you know, you're storing it properly. Some dogs also um, will eat table scraps. Now, I'm a big believer that if, if you think that food's been in the fridge for too long for you to eat, don't give it to the dog because you Absolutely are going to make not. this dog sick. You know, yeah. some people go, oh, well, I, I won't eat it, but I'll, I'll feed it to the dog. That's yeah. an absolute no-no. I mean, that's just no-brainer. If you wouldn't eat it, don't feed it to your pets. Yeah, because yeah. they're going to contain, my, you know, sort of toxins that are going to create really big problems for your dog and you just don't want to go down that track. Another thing is some dogs are real scavengers and you might throw something out that you don't want to eat, but they'll find it in the garbage. So, you know, anything like that, don't leave it in your kitchen bin. Take it out and put it in your, your whiz bin because it, it is a concern that if they get into these things, they can become quite ill. Mould is also found um, in compost bins, that, you know, when people are composting things. So just make sure if you are composting that your dog can't get into the compost bin because if it ingests that mould, we can have quite a, a terrible time. Yep, I'd, I'd imagine so. I couldn't think worse than... What's Eating something mouldy, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but dogs. Or just at the bottom of your compost bin would be. Yeah, but oh. dogs don't seem to mind. I mean, they roll in gross things. They eat things that you know. Yep. You, yeah. But Absolutely. um, but but making sure with with dog food that you're just looking out if there's anything wrong, return it. Don't feed it to your pet. So important to just be aware of of things that can go wrong, even though you might not have ever thought that. There's sometimes things do go wrong. I actually think mm. like putting yeah your dog food. In the with the tin in the fridge, yep. you kind of would do that with your own food. So it's sort of look after food how you'd look after your own food as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly. a great way of thinking of yeah. it. Yeah, and, and with chicken, I mean, a lot of people feed chicken to their dog um, that's raw. I would never do that because of the, the bacteria from salmonella. So to me, I mean, I, I know there's a lot of raw feeders out there, um, but uh, to me that's just a no-brainer that you just don't want to risk um, having a problem. I would just to add to that, particularly in younger animals as well. Yes. Um, it's not uncommon to have people come in with a puppy with a gastrointestinal upset and you get the history of what they're feeding and very, very commonly there's a raw meat in there. Mm. Um, you know, if you want to feed the meat, that's fine, yeah. but particularly for puppies, I'd be definitely cooking it to just decrease that bacteria risk. Yeah, yeah. There you go. did not know that. I just thought you could just throw a big bone on the ground and... <laughs> Let them go for it. But well, no. look, you probably, a lot of the time, depending on the dog, maybe you get away with it, but it's just not worth the risk. All right. Mm. Fair enough. Jot that down myself. <laughs> yes. We've got Jenny from Fern Bay, and she wants to know if dogs can suffer from panic attacks. Jennifer. Jenny, sorry. Yeah. yeah. 
Hi, Jenny. Tell me about your dog. Yes, well, see, I've got an assistance dog. Yes. Right, so she can go anywhere with me. Yep. Now, um, take her to church on Sunday morning with me. Yeah. And when there's feedback from the musical instruments... Yes. Oh, she doesn't like it. She starts shaking and <laughs> panting and... So can they suffer a panic attack? Panic attack's probably not the word I'd use, Jenny, but with that history that you've given, I would suspect it's possibly more to do with her ears and her ears being super more sensitive than us and Uh her actually not liking the sound. As you say, that feedback, I mean, it's bad enough for people, let alone dogs that have exceptional hearing. So do you think it's just when that feedback happens? Yeah, or any um, sound like that. Storms don't worry her. Yeah. But when she, say, I live near um, the ships that go in and out with the coal, you know? Yeah. If we're close to it, it goes a beep, she does it too, you know? Yeah, so it sounds to me like it's more a, a sound stimulus that she doesn't like. Right, um, yeah. So if you know something like that's going to happen, I mean, you could potentially, is she sort of up on your lap most of the time? Is she a little dog or big dog? Oh, she's a little uh, multi-shitsu cross, yeah. She sits on my lap. Yeah. She still gets it. But I know I know how to calm her down because um, at puppy school, before she became an assistance dog, the guy said on the back of the neck, you know how their parents lift them up? Um, do you mean like by the scruff of the neck? Yeah. If you massage that part of their neck quite hard, um, they seem to calm I'm I'm definitely sure that she would be responding to your touch and your reassurance. Yeah, yeah, that would definitely yeah. help. I mean, I guess if you know the if you know the feedback's coming or if you know the loud noises are coming, you could just gently cover her ears and use yeah. your hands like a bit of an ear muff and yeah. see if well, that you helps. Know that, you don't know that feedback's coming, you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, Is there somewhere yeah. she could you could sit maybe that's further away from the speakers? Well, we shifted to the back of the church the other day. She'd stopped shaking, but she was panting, <laughs> you know? Yeah, she possibly yeah. is also anticipating it as well. If it happens yeah. often, Jenny, she's yeah. possibly waiting for it to happen. So if she's got yeah. some sort of some favourite treats or something that she really, really loves, you could maybe have some of those ready to go to just help reassure her and distract yeah. her. Yeah, yeah, I cuddle her and everything, you know, so... Yeah. Have you, yeah. Jenny, there's That's another something. thing that you possibly could try. There's a, a an item for dogs called a happy hoodie, and they're often yeah. used to help muffle the sound um, that dogs are hearing, particularly from high-velocity dryers when dogs are getting groomed. So yeah. if you can um, source one of those, she could wear that. They're quite um, comfortable for the dog, and that will muffle no. muffle the noise. So no. a happy hoodie. Happy hoodie. Yep. Um, oh, right. You get that from a pet shop? <laughs> um, yeah, some pet shops will have them. Otherwise, you can pop online and get them online. Okay, right. Oh, very interesting. Yep. Yeah. Best of luck with that, Jenny. Yeah, okay. Thanks very much for that. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Ta-da. Jeez, thanks, Jay. A hoodie for dogs. A hoodie for dogs. So it muffles the sound of the noises that are happening. When a dog's getting um, dried, the high-velocity dryers for some dogs will trigger... Um, a seizure activity so we try to muffle that so it prevents that from happening but they also act as a bit of a comfort you know a little bit like um when you're cuddling or, or a child yep. so it cuddles around that head and the, the dog feels quite comfortable wearing them
Right. I suppose dogs do like being sort of snuggled up under stuff, don't they? So. Yeah. It's that firm touch as well. There yeah. are equivalent products um, called a thunder shirt, yeah. which actually goes on the torso of the dog. And the idea is it just feels like a, a nice warm hug to yeah. just help decrease stress and anxiety. Right. With what Jenny said as well, like panic attacks, is that is that generally could be a thing for dogs as well? Though, or? I wouldn't, as I said to her, I wouldn't use the word panic attack because often when you get the story like I did, it yep. becomes very clear very quickly that it's not a panic attack. It's a response to a stimulus. Yep. So it's the dog's response trying to say, I don't like this. I want to get away from it. And that's usually a response to something that's happened. Right. Yeah. Okay. So panic attack in that... More stressed, would you say? Or? Oh, like I wouldn't say that it happens for no reason. Yeah. There's there's nearly always a reason and you can, I guess, train and behave, you can adjust the behavior yeah. so that it doesn't happen. Dr. Fiona, you mentioned, we didn't say the top off air about, it's probably a hard decision that we have to make every now and then. Mm. And it's kind of when to, I guess, say goodbye to one of your pets. Yeah, and it can be really challenging, Greg, for a lot of owners to know when the time, when that yep. time comes, because um, there's there's not like a readily available resources, um, and sometimes changes can happen really, really gradually. Yeah. So it's not like a sudden injury. It can be just a pet getting older and maybe a bit slower and maybe losing a bit bit of weight and it can be really hard to know when that time yep. is right. And it's not as if they tell you. No, no. And if you're waiting for your pet to tell you yep. that they're in pain, for example, by looking at you lovingly and whining, it's not going to happen. Yep. So if you're waiting for that, it you'll be waiting a long time. Right, um, there are much more reliable and accurate ways I would suggest that you can tell when the time comes. So what sort of ways can we look at to sort of, well, I guess I know when we've got to start having a chat with our vet? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the common conversation I have with people is it's not what they're doing, it's what they're not doing. So if your pet always runs to greet you at the front door and isn't running to greet you at the front door, yep. or they're always following you in the kitchen when it's mealtime, and they're not following you in the kitchen or they love, get really excited when you get the lead out and now they're not getting excited. So it's not what they're doing, it's what they're not doing or yep. what they stop doing. Right. Um, but still that's a tough thing as well though. If they're, maybe they just don't want to go for walks anymore. Or <laughs> well, yes, it's not, a, it's not a simple one off and the decision is made. Um, but I, I'd encourage if people are starting to think, oh, I don't know if the time's right that can be helpful to, yep. to sort of have a think about, you know, has a lot of their behaviour changed, has their moods changed, has their interest in food changed, has their interest in playing changed. Um, and there are, there are a couple of quality of life surveys online which um, I really encourage people to look at, one in particular from the Ohio State University. Uh, so Google it if you need to. Um, quality of life survey basically about your pets and yep. what it allows you to do is objectively assess what their quality of life is like because it's it's so multifaceted. Yeah. It's not just a yes, they want their food or no, they want to sleep all day. There's yeah. so many things to take into consideration. Sorry. So by, by owners doing this little survey, it gives the animal's quality of life a number. And then if you're worried, you can repeat the survey in a week or a month or six months 
and you can see what that number is again. So that can help people, I think, make the decision by using all the factors and all the questions overall to give an idea of what quality of life is like. Right. It's also, it's you probably need to talk to other people as well, do you think? Or Absolutely. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, your, your vet, I mean, I would... Of course, recommend yeah. chatting to your vet about it um, because it's something that we deal with all the time. And I feel like we are quite objectively able to assess things. Whereas, as the owner, you're so emotionally invested in yeah. it that you can't as easily know when that time is. Uh, so, definitely chatting with your vet. Um, chatting with family and friends who have spent a lot of time with your pet, if they've noticed changes. Um, certainly, you know, getting those on board around you that love your pet is um, is really important. All right. Well, thanks for bringing it down for, for my yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, look, something that I, that I say to people quite a lot is it's better a day too early than a day too late. Yeah. Because the last thing is not the last thing an owner would ever want for their pet is for their pet to be suffering or in pain or have a poor quality of life. Yeah. And you know, in my view, you're always better to make that decision a day earlier than a day too late. All right. And we've got our dog and cat of the week, and we've got Chase, who's a five month old Maltese cross. Looks like a bit of a cutie, this one. A super cute little <laughs> little critter. And I'm sure he would be a very, very loved family member for anyone that would be after a puppy. Obviously, the usual puppy things, toilet training, training, learning right and wrong, all those things. But um, he's... Sorry, right, right and wrong. <laughs> learning what is and is not appropriate yep, okay. in his new human world. <laughs> And we've also got a cat of the week as well, Haven. Uh, Cheryl? Oh, no. oh, that's a cute little cat. Yeah, three-year-old domestic short hair. So this is going to be a lovely cat for most people. Being three years old, it's um out of those naughty little kittens. Yes, kitten <laughs> speaking of right and wrong. <laughs> yes, and um, this little cat loves playing with toys and just chilling around, so a comfy bed would be great. Um, he's not fussy with his food. And he uses the litter tray. So just remember with the litter tray, we need two litter trays, not just one. So if you're going to get this cat, two litter trays, please. Um, and nothing really phases him much. He's looking for his forever home and he enjoys sitting on your lap and he'll be a great cat for you. Right. Speaking of litter trays, because mm -hmm. I've never had a cat. Okay. Do you, how often do you clean them out? Oh, well, it's going to depend how often it's being used. As often as needed. Yes. Right. Okay. That's yes. A stupid but question. If you, if you can, <laughs> no, it's not a stupid question because no. it can lead to a lot of issues if yeah. people don't yep. clean them appropriately. But, yeah. I mean, I guess work on the principle, you know, you like probably mm -hmm. a clean toilet and I'm sure the cat probably likes a clean Green toilet too. Yeah, so. because if it isn't clean, it's not going to go there or go elsewhere. So you can create a behavioural problem for not having a clean litter tray. So that litter tray is really important. But the, as I said, having two litter trays. So for every one cat, you need a spare litter tray because they can become quite fussy. Right. That is probably why I never have a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Too much cleaning of litter trays. <laughs> well, yeah. thank you very much for another week of Pet Chat. But this pleasure. Something you want to mention to people before we go off today? Yeah, absolutely. Look, uh, ticks are about. Tick paralysis is can be fatal. If it's not fatal, it's absolutely highly expensive to treat. And yep. the best, best possible thing you can do is prevent. Uh, so there are lots and lots of products out there on the market. A lot of them are monthly. Um, just 
do be really yeah. strict and vigilant about doing it monthly, not even a day late. Yeah. Um, right. Mark it on your calendar and make sure it happens. Every month. Yeah. If it's a monthly product, yeah. um, a lot of them are. So check your product, make sure it's covering for ticks and make sure you give it. It doesn't actually work if it's in the cupboard. <laughs> it only works if it's administered to the pet. All right. Because uh, yeah, it, can, it can be fatal. It's very expensive to treat and prevention is a thousand times over the best way to do it. Right, yeah. Thank you very much. Pet chat for this week. Too Pleasure. Easy. Thank you. See you, Greg.